If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between, broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Dead Men Walking starts now. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dead Men Walking. I am your host, Greg Moore. I have a couple people in studio with me today, and I am excited to get started. Before we do that, I just want to say thank you for everyone who has been reaching out, who's been liking our Facebook page, following us on Instagram, checking out our YouTube videos. Always very important. It's only by people like you sharing what we do that we can bring glory to God. So make sure you follow us on Instagram, like those YouTube videos, and like that Facebook page. So now that we got the business out of the way there, I have Savannah Martin in studio. Savannah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. But before we get to her, uh, we have 
One of our favorites back, Jason Hamlin. Howdy, everybody. Jason, I think he is now, I've kind of drafted him into being our co-host. I'm in. I think you're, I'm just going to invite you every episode, sit in. Sometimes I'll just stay over here and not say a word. I'll just, <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> but let's jump back to Savannah. Savannah, why don't you give us a little bit of a bio of yourself? I know you and I, we've been um, friends for quite a while. I respect what you do. Um, you're a sister in the Lord that just has a heart for the kingdom and the gospel. And I thought it'd be very important to bring you on and kind of talk about what your role is professionally right now. But first, maybe give us a little bit of testimony. I always like to have the listeners um, hear how the Lord brought you to the place of salvation um, and a little bit of that backstory. Feel free to take uh, 30 seconds or 10 minutes. I know it's all good stuff when we're talking about the Lord. So why don't you give a little little bit of that background for us? For sure. So I, first of all, thanks for asking. I love hearing salvation stories. Uh, Mm. I'm always reminded of... Uh, the scripture in Psalms that says, you know, don't don't stray too far or don't lose sight of your own salvation. And so I think when we hear people's salvation stories, it reminds us of our own beginning. And I think the further we get away from that point, the more important it is to hear those yeah. stories. That's good. Uh, yeah. And so I grew up in a pretty traditional uh, Midwest American home, uh, proud tea party home. My uh, great grandfather was tea party. Uh, Original tea party. Grandpa, uh, grandpa uh, tea party. My uh, grandfather was actually diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He passed away a couple years ago. Mm. Uh, but on the day that he was diagnosed, he actually left to the doctor's office and went to a tea party rally. Wow. And then my dad, um, also very um, much. Uh, part of the tea party and so I grew up in kind of this very traditional like midwest sure home yeah uh little patriot bit. kind yeah, of very like much American, so very yeah. much you know valuing America and um one of the interesting parts of that is I think we see especially in our demographic that that also embodied this, you know, if you were in a home like that, you were also just a Christian. And that was, right. you were just as much of a Christian as you were an American. And those sure, kind of yeah. two things were interchangeable. And so we went to church. That was the right thing to do. Um, my Five Nana, days a week, right? Yeah. Oh, all the, <laughs> you know, all the time. And it was really interesting, um, you know, and they're very open about their, uh, their own journey. Um, you know, my, my mom was an alcoholic when I was growing up. Okay. And, um, you know, so definitely one of those families where we looked great from the outside, but things were I think not that's super a, great. That's a lot of families. <laughs> yeah, like that. on the inside. Yeah. Um, you know, but a much, you know, a part of the church, and I, I have these like snapshots where I can see the Lord's faithfulness. Mm. And really at the, at the kind of foundation of it was my Nana and Papa, my dad's parents, um, their faith you can see that now uh, yeah. throughout my whole entire family. They have like 20 some grandkids huh. and great grandkids. And I remember going over and if we memorized the 10 commandments, we would get a sticker. And I remember laying under, you know, my Papa's piano. He was a pianist and a percussionist and singing, you know, um, you know, all of these classic hymns. And so even though there wasn't, 
any sort of depth to it. The thing mm-hmm. that I can appreciate about growing up is uh, how much the word of God and the statutes of God and morality was still infused into my life. Yeah. Um, but the unfortunate reality, because there was a lack of depth, I um, mean, one of the things that I think is is something I'm passionate about now is, you know, I was a part of a youth group for almost my whole entire high school. And I don't, I have no valid memory of ever opening up my Bible. Wow. And I feel like um, I had a great youth pastor my last couple of years who would really challenge us, but I still don't have these like vivid memories where, you know, we're a part of, you know, communities now where that's expected of our kids. Sure. You know, you know, and our, of course, our teenagers. And so it was just this really interesting dynamic where, it was there and you could see where the seeds of faith were planted. But when I left to come to college, I mean, it was really a house of cards at that point because it was, you know, my parents' faith or my church's faith, or, you know, we went to the like hip Methodist church, you know, that was in the center of town. Um, and they had, hip you know, Methodist. They were, it's it was like, a, it was like the, but here's no, the interesting thing. I love my Methodist. <laughs> I think the interesting thing about it is Whoa. in it, you know, my own, you know, opinions aside, I think unfortunately what was really popular in that kind of culture and in the town that I grew up in is that it really was like a social club. Mm. And and again, I, I can see God's faithfulness in still using, you know, my grandparents and my youth pastor through that. But when I came to college, because there was no personal foundation, I mean, 24 hours in and I lit that house. I mean, You're like I burned it, that campus down. Literally <laughs> burned it to the ground. Where'd you go to college? I University of Toledo. Oh, okay. Yep. And I, again, I mean, I just, when we talk about, um, you know, the parable of where the seeds are falling, mm. you know, I can see that in my own life because there wasn't any sort of depth of, you know, soil and relationship with the Lord or spiritual discipline in my life. I mean, I had this newfound freedom and zero clue of my own value, worth and identity and went bananas. I mean, in every sense of the word, drugs, alcohol, uh, sex, I mean, you (laughs) name it because I, I was so hungry for, um, I was hungry for, uh, uh, purpose and I wanted to know who I was and I was looking at this landscape around me for all of this direction yep. you know and it gave me what I was looking for and you know we'll talk a little bit later about what I do now but it, God actually totally redeemed that experience yeah and has even given me ministry that's not only impacting hundreds of girls at the University of Toledo but now is actually impacting college girls that across awesome. the, the yeah. nation and so yeah. He has been so faithful. Um, it's a miracle that I'm alive. Yep. It's a miracle that there weren't drastic, uh, you know, damage done to my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in 2009, mm-hmm. 2009, I was starting to get really sick. And I was working retail. I'd actually um, dropped out of my fifth, my spring semester of my fifth year of college. Okay. Which I'd never, ever, ever recommend any. I have like 12 credit hours <laughs> Were you going to be a doctor? Left. No, <laughs> no. No, I just <laughs> took my time. 
A lot of people go to college for five years, Richard. They're called called doctors. I feel like if you make it out in four years, it's a miracle. I was also working. Three and a half. Really? This guy. Overachiever. Were you working? Yeah. Okay. I I don't know how I did it. I'm I'm not the student. Oh, you guys have me all beat. I was like one and a half semesters of a community college. I was like, nope. I'm out. I feel like I'm not talking about what I like. If I I stayed here, it would have been over. I I would not have. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened. I would almost have rather it been a year and a half Mm -hmm. to have, uh, you know, five years hanging over my head with like 12 credit hours left. It's actually one of my top bucket list items right now. As as soon as you get back to um, sleeping, because I don't think you sleep every time you're doing something, you should go just get those extra 12. I mean, you're right down the road. Uh, but I know you don't have, you know, 30 seconds to put together the last 10 years of your life. But, yeah. you know, I, I'll, I'll just tell you guys this. All, um, uh, all of my college credits didn't come in that three and a half years, though. I needed biology for about 12 years. <laughs> I finally went to the University of Phoenix and got that last three credits. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. It all worked out in the end. But. Yeah, so 2009, I had started to get really sick. Uh, you know, wasn't taking care of myself physically, had struggled with uh, eating disorder, mm. um, you know, the drug and alcohol use. I was working retail. I actually uh, left school debt free because I was working 40 plus hours a week plus going to school. Wow. Um, was awesome. in a sorority. Um, and so my lifestyle was just so gnarly that I was, my body was shutting down. So I, uh, had, I was really sick one day. I remember I was working at the journeys at, um, fallen timbers and I was feeling so sick. So I left, I, you know, walked my team through like what they had to do to close. I was managing at the point, went home and I, I, I thought I was dying. Yeah. I remember laying on my bathroom floor in my apartment and thinking, I I am dying. This is it. This <laughs> is it. And here's the like crazy part. My last part. shift at Journeys. <laughs> the way I'm going out. Done. And here's the crazy part. I was actually thinking about this on my way over here to record this. Your, uh, you know, your, your uh, podcast is Deadman Walking. Yeah. And I think it means something different. <laughs> But for me, I mean, really, I was a, I was way. a dead person walking, and it yeah. wasn't just a physical death. Like yeah. I was dead in every sense of sure. the word. I mean, I Mentally, was in spiritually a relationship yeah. where we both were being unfaithful. Mm. I, you know, my friends were just people that I saw between the hours of like 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. And there was also, you know, always drugs and alcohol involved in it. Yeah. Like there was no substance. I had left you know, college at that point. I mean, I was so dead. So I'm like, I need to go to the hospital. Like something is seriously wrong with me. So I start calling people in my phone. I call my boyfriend. He's not picking up the phone. I start calling some of my friends. They're like, well, I mean, can you take yourself? I'm like, I'm laying on my bathroom floor (laughs) dying. And you want me to drive myself? And like, someone was like, well, can you just call an ambulance? Wow. So now I'm having like this mental breakdown because I'm realizing like, wow, the people in my life actually don't care right. about me. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So I had at this point not talked to my parents in probably over six or seven months. Like I had just pushed anything out of my life really? that was healthy. Okay. And um, I called my mom and my mom and I just didn't have a super great relationship at that point. A lot of because I had, you know, pushed her away because I hadn't dealt with my own hurt and pain sure. from, you know, her struggling and her addiction. She actually has been sober for um, quite some time, but I Praise was, God. Her, awesome. yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a miracle. I had been harboring, you know, anger and resentment, but at this point I'm dying on my bathroom floor. <laughs> and what do you do when you don't feel well? You call yeah. mom. Yeah, so right. I called mom and, um, she said, I um, am on my way. So they don't live, they live about an hour and 20 minutes away from here. Okay. Um, and so here's this, you know, woman that I have not talked to in months and and she's like I'm on my way um which I feel like is the first sign of like redemption and where God was going okay in my life um because it was the first time that I felt like someone was showing like unconditional yeah mm-hmm. love for me which my parents had shown that to me my whole right. entire life I just wanted it from other people mm. so I hang up the phone and I'm literally laying there and I I have this thought in my head and it's God you might as well just take me. Like there's nothing worth anything here. <laughs> right. So you might yeah. as well just take me. And then I closed my eyes. And the next thing I remember, my mom is standing over me and she actually put me in her car and drove me back to my hometown um, where I got some medical attention and ended up staying there. I lost my job. You can't not, this was uh, going into November and okay. in retail, you can't take <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. November or <laughs> December off. I worked retail for eight years. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so they let me go. And, um, I stayed there healed. Um, it, it turned out that I had actually developed colitis just okay. because of how much garbage and how I was treating. What is that? Is that something it in the, is, like the gut yeah, microbes or something? Gut, intestinal. Yeah. It's gross. It's all yeah. the gross stuff. Oh. <laughs> and, um, so your body was just like literally shutting yeah, down. Was, like, Hey, yeah. Man. I mean, between <laughs> you need to slow down yeah, drugs, alcohol, yeah. you know, just not taking care of myself. My body was. Yeah. responding and right. really crying out for help. So I decided that I was going to take the rest of the year. Um, so the end of November and December, and I was going to stay with my parents and I would come back at the beginning of the year. So for Christmas, and we joke about it now, I have a fantastic relationship with my parents now. Awesome. Was that uh, they got me a Bible in this devotional. Okay. And we joke now that it was they were like, this is this is it. Like if this doesn't do it, do it. Yeah. Like this nothing. is the Bible right yeah. here that's gonna. So I get this uh, new job, and I'm gonna start like the second week in January, and the new year is approaching, and I still don't have a relationship with the Lord, and I'm like, oh, I gotta get back to Toledo. It's about to be New Year's Eve. Like I don't want to be stuck here with my family right. on New Year's Eve. So no parties joke. to go to. Yeah, yeah, no joke. I drove back to Toledo. I hadn't seen anybody and just showed up at the bar on New Year's Eve <laughs> and drank until like yeah. like eight a.m. the next morning. Yeah, and um, then was like hungover for a couple days, and then I'm starting this new job. So it's, it's, um, got to start the year off. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's <laughs> January, it's January 4th and I'll never forget this. It's January 4th and I get up cause I'm starting this job 
And I look over and on my side table is the Bible in this devotional. And my thought was, and you'll think this is so funny because it's totally my personality, was well, I open it up and it's, it's like a daily devotional. Okay. And I'm like, I'm four days behind. <laughs> like I might as well not yeah. even start this. Yeah, I'm already I'm four days four behind. Four days behind. That's so I'm like, totally I'll you. just read it. So I read this devotional and it's about confessing our need for trust in in Jesus mm. and the power of where we can be so stubborn and so prideful that it's hard for us as people to confess that we can't do this and that we actually have to depend yeah. on him. So I get in my car and I'm driving to work and I'm thinking about this and all of a sudden my gas light comes on and I start melting down because I haven't worked in yeah. months yeah. and I don't have any money in my bank account yeah. and my car is on empty. So I get to the office and I'm literally having like a meltdown because I'm like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I'm like, do I ask them for a pay advance? Like, what am I going to do about this? Yeah. Do I have oh, to you, call my parents Did and you pull a stepbrothers? Yeah, did yeah. you say, could we have our, can I have my two weeks yeah, vacation up front? I did it. No, I was thinking about it. And then all this sudden, <laughs> I didn't do okay. it. Okay, I she didn't, didn't do it. it. All right. I mean, it would have been a good idea. Well, yeah. At that point, <laughs> I was I'm so here for my first day. Can I have my check, please? I was so desperate. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting at this office. It was an office job. I was a secretary. And um, this devotional, like, comes to my mind. I'm like, fine. God, I trust you. Right. Like, arrogant. Like, I'm like now, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, now it's almost terrifying for me to, like, think that I ever, yeah. like, approach the Lord oh. like that. Yeah. So, and then, like, as the next, like, 30 minutes, like, passed, it became this, like, Oh God, like I I actually need you right. to step Realization, in. yeah. So get to the end of the day, get in my car. <laughs> Have you guys ever been so low on gas that your car is like shaking? Yep. <laughs> yeah. It, it's got the shutters. It's got the fume shutters. So I drive been home. And my car is literally shaking. So I live in one of those apartment complexes that has those like outside mailboxes mm-hmm. where it's like everybody's mailbox. Yeah. You drive up and there's like a row here and then a row here and then a row here. So I drive up and I'm like, oh, I haven't checked my mail since I've been back in town. So I open it up. It's like a little box and there's so much in it. Yeah. Like all of the Arby's coupons. <laughs> right. And like. Wait, you, you were running out of gas and you stopped at the mailbox. I did. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah. I pull everything. Just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> I, pull, I pull everything out and I'm like going through it. And I get to this envelope that's from the police department. Okay. And I was like, oh, gosh. Always good news yeah. back in my <laughs> drug and drinking days so, so when I got news. something from the police department. <laughs> so, of course, I turn around and I rip it open and I pull it out. And it is a check for $400. What? And you know how on checks it'll have, like, the check and then the, like, bottom page tells you, like, what it's for? Sure. It's, like, perforated. I'm deal. not even joking you. The, like, memo on the bottom is over... <laughs> overpaid parking ticket <laughs> you overpaid a no, parking ticket by four hundred dollars absolutely not i didn't so i'm literally staring at this like check and the only way that i can describe it yeah. is all of a sudden like there was someone else in the car with me wow and i'm i'm like sitting here and i I mean, it. Ju- I mean, the only way that I can describe it, and I know that you guys understand this, is yes. that Jesus was in the car mm-hmm. with me in that moment, yeah. and I realized how true 
the words that I had read in that devotional were. You went from an intellectual knowledge of who Jesus was to a spiritual oh, in, I mean, understanding a, of who Christ was. Isn't that a gorgeous second. thing? That's yeah, awesome. it was. Yeah. I mean, Amen. they can't see me, but you guys can see me still to this day. <laughs> I mean, 12 years later, still get choked up over the reality that in my sin and in my rebellion, yes. like he stepped over all of that junk to like come sit in my car. And I think the reason that I'm so passionate about people knowing how much God loves them is because I've witnessed that like the God who had way bigger things to be concerned about, like I screwed it up. Yeah. No one else screwed it up. I screwed my body up. I screwed my college career up. I screwed my relationships up. Like Mm. I did that, you know, and there's all these other issues like going on in the world. And this God who is so infinite and so holy and so big cared enough about me to step into my car on that day and say, you don't have to live like this. Right. So I literally have this like powerful, like 20 minute encounter with Jesus. In and your car that's shuddering from yeah. fumes. So okay. <laughs> that you stopped at the, yeah. Okay. We're just recapping. Yeah. <laughs> so I go upstairs and I'm sitting on the floor in my apartment and I'm like, no one is going to believe what just happened. So I'm scrolling through my phone at a Blackberry, by the okay. way. Wow, you were stand those things. Scrolling your time, with the, do you remember the roller? <laughs> Twelve ball? years oh, ago. Yeah. yeah. I, man, I had the, I think I had one of those for about five days and I was like, I'm <laughs> You're like, no, I'm yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So I'm scrolling through my phone and mm-hmm. I'm like, I like, who is even gonna like this is psych ward. So wait, I'm I'm still stuck on the four hundred dollar check. So where did it come from? Was it a clerical still error? Still to this day. Do you think I called them and asked them where? You didn't call them after well, Jesus was just in so your car? No. Well, Wait Savannah, we have a surprise for yeah. you. On the line is the yeah, Lucas yeah, County right. Sheriff's Department, and they want to speak to you. No. You know, and I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, I have never been someone that's like, I believe that, like, Jesus covered up as the, like, police and, like, put the check in my... But what I do, what I do realize happened in that moment was this very divine understanding oh, absolutely. of, of yeah. how much he he does care. And, you know, he used that situation to show me, like, when you confess that you're weak and that you do put your trust in me, I am your provider. Absolutely. And I am going to, you know, yeah. and so. Oh, I've got, I've got 50 of those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. wild. Um, so you're sitting up there and you're like, no one's going to believe that. No one's going to believe me that this happened. So I'm <laughs> Police scrolling just through gave my me $400. Phone <laughs> and I get to, Gosh. I get to my my high school like childhood best friend Danny who I have not talked to at this point since high school okay and I'm now five plus six almost yeah six years outside of this relationship yeah so I'm like oh Danny loved Jesus (laughs) like she was my like Jesus loving friend like evangelized to me like she was in church if I was in church five times a week she was in church 20 times a week (laughs) like president of the bible club everything I'm like, I'm going to call Danny. So I called Danny and the phone's ringing (laughs) and she picks up the phone and I'm like, Danny, I don't know if you remember me. (laughs) This is Savannah. And she's like, of course I remember you. (laughs) So I tell her what happened and she's like, this is incredible. Like, I'm so excited for you. So we like start chatting and she's like, where do you live now? And I'm like, I live in Toledo. And she's like, that's wild. I live in Toledo. And I'm like, what? Where? And she like tells me where she lives. 
no joke, we lived in the apartment complexes that were facing each other <laughs> and our doors <laughs> literally faced like the same direction. Oh really? Gosh. So yeah, no clue on earth. Like we completely Jeez. lost touch and we're living across in, the street from each other. Yeah. Essentially across the Looking street. Looking at each other's house yes. every morning Jesus. when you go to work. So, God is so cool. Yeah. Okay. So we go out to lunch that day and um, she's like, hey, I'm having a, a prayer meeting at my house tonight. Do you want to come? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I just got a check yeah, for four hundred dollars, yeah. so uh, well, yeah, and no, it was I'm just, just kidding. This I'm kidding. Thing where I was just like, well, that's, that that's quick cultish, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, you know, and having to like put myself back because now I'm like, yeah, I'm at every prayer meeting, but like remembering, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. pre understanding what that was. So then I get home and I'm like, well, I can't go to the bar, like, <laughs> and I like, or can you? No, <laughs> in my head, I couldn't go to the bar, right, right. and. I was bored and I was like, well, maybe I'll just go over there. So I go over there and knock on the door and she answers and it's hysterical to me now. It was terrifying in the moment. So I like walk in and there's worship music playing and there are people that are literally like laying on the floor, like muffled, like in the carpet, like crying and some people were like praying and some people were saying things in a language that I didn't understand. Right. And I'm like What's this going is on? Not, this is not the real deal. <laughs> like what is happening here? So you, like, I dove into the deep end. And I have my like Bible, which is so funny because when people hear that they're like your testimony in your life makes so much sense because I really did. So I'm holding my Bible and I like sink down next to a bookshelf and I'm like what in the world? <laughs> yeah. So I I do the really uh, spiritual thing and I open my Bible straight down the middle, right. <laughs> which, and like off just a little bit, which happens yeah. to be Psalm 139. I was going to say 119, was, but yeah, it's like right in there. I was going to say Obadiah. Obadiah <laughs> opens. And... For you, is that yeah, what yeah. it is, Obadiah? <laughs> no, I'm just That's saying. such a weird... Yeah, what if, what really if you Obadiah? did open it at I probably Obadiah. would not <laughs> be here today. I probably would have been like, nope. It's, yeah, right. it's crazy <laughs> for me because no matter when I open the Bible, it's always Romans 9 for some reason. That's oh, not God. even... Oh. nowhere near (laughs) so psalm 139 which is so beautiful and i can see again god's faithfulness and his hand on my life because that has so shaped who i am and what his purpose you know and calling you know for my life was and i start reading about this god who knew me in my mother's womb who you know, had great value, knew the thoughts that I had before one of them ever came to be, who saw me when I had made my bit, you know, my bed in the pit of hell, which I had, you know, saw my coming and my going. Um, and I was like, man, this is, this is what I've been longing for. Right. Um, and so I actually just right there, just like, God, like, I, I want to do this forever. Like I want this to be the foundation of my life um and I went back to my apartment um that night and I I broke it off with my boyfriend um and I uh prayed and, and told God I said if I cut every um you know bad influence out of my life um I'm willing to burn every bridge that you're asking me to but I want family and I want right. real community and it's so cool because when Ryan and I got married and Ryan Ryan's my husband um, when Ryan and I got married, he, we had this like really crazy moment where I mean, we had over 300 people at our wedding. We got married two years after 
that encounter with the Lord. Okay. And the majority of those people were all people I had met in the last two years. So over 200 or over 300 300, people in the wedding. And so God had so (laughs) answered that prayer. He gave me community and friends and um, and I haven't, you know, looked back since, uh, two days later, I met Joe Liggett. Uh, at a bowling alley. Okay. And wait, two um, days after you got married, or two no, days two af- days after I got saved, I met Joe Liggett. Oh wow. At a okay. yeah, so Danny had actually been a part of the Ember leadership okay. at that time. So she called. She she was so kind. I mean, she just took me under the wing and like anywhere she was going, she's like, "I'm gonna take you with me." So she calls me one day. She's like, "I'm gonna go to the bowling alley. All my friends are gonna be there." So I'm like, "Sure, I'll go." Go, and it's the like hood bowling alley jugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm at jugs i don't know anybody and all of a sudden this guy with like a like tight t-shirt and a hat is literally in danny's face like yelling at her about like something that they had talked about and it was joe liggett okay and like that is all joe liggett has ever been <laughs> sure is, uh you know that person <laughs> and so i went to ember uh just that next week and I mean, it. I just haven't looked back. Yeah. Since then. Wow. What a what a what a cool testimony too. And it's it's so awesome because you said you said something so key when you said, and I know that you'll relate to this because I've had those same experiences, and I think we all have. Those who've been truly saved understand there's a paradigm shift not only in your mind but in your spirit. Mm-hmm. And geez, I could fill up an hour of just crazy things that happened to me, even from just bringing certain people into my life for a period of time that I've then since not even talked to. Yeah. I got this guy, the Lord just brought this guy into my life for like a year. And we spent every day together just worshiping and praising and doing stuff. And then that, that season was over yeah. and I maybe talked to him twice in 15 years, still good friends still, yeah. you know, but it was just that time, you know, where the Lord will do that. I remember sitting in church and I had the last $20 on me. To, to my name, no bank account, no car, no job, no place to live, nothing. And I'm in church. I had a place to live. I just moved in back in with my parents and I'm at a church service and I have $20 in my pocket. And, and I hear that wasn't audible out loud, but it, it was definitely an impression from the Holy spirit that just said, put that $20 in the, you know, in the, in the, in the tithe in in the back. They weren't even passing anything around. And I went, oh, that's nuts. That's crazy. This is my last $20. I'm just thinking that because that's the way I grew up. I grew up in a very legalistic church. Give your 10%. Always to the church, right? Well, technically, you wouldn't have had to have given the whole $20 if you were living by that. <laughs> well, no, that's what I was saying. He was telling me to give it all. Yeah. And I'm, and that's back when I could probably make $20, you know, stretch two weeks. And I said, I'm not doing that. And then again, do it. If, if you truly trust in me, you're going to do it. And I, so now I'm like arguing, like, what? So what, God? You're like just the God that wants my money? I grew up with that kind of God. And he's yeah. like, no, put, you know, put it in there. And the, and the minute I did it and walked out and put it in there, there was like a release in my spirit of everything that you own belongs to me. Your money, your life, your time. I don't need your money. I don't want your money. I want your obedience. Yeah. And I went, whoa, okay, well, now I'm broke. Thanks, God. Literally after that conversation in my head, I'm walking out to the parking lot. I see this guy back in my drug-fueled days. Uh, which would only been a couple months prior, but I hadn't seen him in three or four years. He comes up to me. What are you doing here? I don't know. What are you doing here? And we're talking for a minute. He goes, man, you know, I've been feeling guilty. Remember that time that you, uh, you know, you hooked me up with some of that stuff. And I said, nope, I was high and drunk and wild for almost a decade. I, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember. Well, I owe you a hundred bucks and I voted to you for six years here. I want to give it to you. Wow. I went, 
the Lord bring, paying me back with right. drug money? Right. And the Lord said, take it. I take care of, I take care of my children. Yeah. It wasn't about the money. Now you got paid back fivefold from what you gave, but I want obedience. And I just went, whoa. And you know, we have, we all have those stories. Yeah. I, I think, I, th oh, yeah. I think, and it's, it's just one of those things where like we talked about even a few episodes ago, Romans eight twenty eight is such a great verse for me because it says the Lord works all things out for his good and yeah. his glory, you know, according to his purpose me, right. for those who love him. Yeah. It has served me well to understand that he is my provider um, and I am a steward and, mm. you know, Ryan and I live in a way where we understand, you know, even the paychecks that we get from the places of employment where, you know, we're working really aren't from those places. It's really God providing through that means. Um, and so we don't ever, you know, we don't cross the line of being the provider. And when God calls us to take time off or to switch jobs, or if there's transition, we just are like, and it is what it is because God is our provider. Um, and so we don't have to ascribe energy in that direction. What we then do ascribe lots of energy in is understanding our, our obedience as the steward yeah. of those things Amen. Um, and understanding that we're going to be held accountable you know, for everything that, we that God put, right. you know, in our lives to steward from people to resources, you know, relationships, the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. That, that That's a great opening uh, testimony, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you do now, because just from that little uh, snippet of a testimony, you went from someone who like, like you said, you know, abandoned school and abandoned all these things was radically saved. If we're allowed to say that, I feel like that's I, radically saved. Wasn't that an album that Carmen made back in the eighties? I, I feel I like I that's feel like a, it was like right. really early two thousands. Isn't okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dating myself. Uh, but anyway, so tell me a little bit about what you do now, because you are the executive director. Is that the correct yep. executive director of the pregnancy center in Toledo? Yep. Um, very successful, I would say, in just about any measure of the imagination. Uh, there's not too many of them that do all the things that you do. And to see you just just from what you told us a few minutes ago of where you were to where the Lord has brought you in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And I think it's, and I think you would agree, it's nothing to do with you and probably all no, to do by God's absolutely. grace and glory, because I know you to be a very humble person. You don't take pride in a title or anything like that. You are a worker bee, which I absolutely love. We can get into that later. Um, probably work a little too hard, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. I have to schedule you some massage time, you and Ryan or something, but let's go back to Hawaii. <laughs> right. I say that as, uh, it was so funny. She, we, we went a couple, a couple of us couples went to uh, Maui last month and she, she said, well, when, when are we leaving? Because I'm getting back from my cruise earlier that week. I took almost really? the whole entire month. You needed it though. Yeah. You needed it. Yeah. So, uh, I yeah. work hard and I play hard. There you yeah, go. Yeah. So, uh, tell me a little bit about the pregnancy center and how you came into that position and, and what need you guys fill in Toledo. Yeah. So I, it's always so interesting, you know, when people ask, you know, whether they're just kind of starting out in, trying to find out like what what am I supposed to do with my life like what was I created to do and you know I have people you know that are zealous and are excited to kind of dive into that and they're like well tell me how like you got to where you are now and um I'm always the worst person to ask that because when I turn on and look back I'm mean, gonna really feel like I just fumbled my way into 
where I'm at. You know, there was never like, sure. I don't even have a resume. Sure. I, I mean, I, I think I had to like scramble to put a resume together for the board uh, at the pregnancy center when I was moving from my current position into the director position. And I was like, I have to watch a YouTube like tutorial <laughs> and how to like put a resume together. But, but who did have a resume in the Bible? Nope. Like nobody, seriously. For sure. What great woman or man of God <laughs> had a resume? God, look at I'm qualified. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. no one was qualified. Yeah. yeah. And for sure, I was the least qualified. But now I think in maturity, what I can look back and see was blessed was obedience, mm. you know, and I, I feel like one of the biggest takeaways over the last decade of my, you know, life over decade of walking with the Lord is <clears throat> that delayed obedience is disobedience mm. and really understanding that's good that part of the reason that, you know, and there's so many references where when we are faithful in stewarding the small um, and there are people who have been, you know, with me for you know, over 10 years that ha that saw the faithful was small. And the cool thing about where this all started for me was <clears throat> I was at Ember on a Tuesday night and there, uh, you may know, do you know John Barker? I know of him. Yeah. So John Barker came and he preached at Ember and it was such a, a wild night. He preached in the second half of his like sermon, the mic died and he just kept on preaching at like a volume that like you would hear on a mic. I mean, he didn't have a voice after it was done. And right. it was like the fear of God in repentance um, in, in the topic of abortion. And I got destroyed that night, like in the best way possible. And so I felt like God said, go, don't talk to anybody. Go and start doing as much research on abortion that you can do. And don't talk to anybody about it. Like, just mm. come and talk to me about it. So I started to do all of this research historically, um, you know, from the documentary Moafa 21, which I feel like everybody <laughs> should watch, to uh, Margaret Sanger, to how, you know, Planned Parenthood started in our nation, to eugenics and crypto eugenics. And so, I mean, for like four weeks, I'm immersing myself okay. in like – understanding from a legal to an economic mm. uh, from a morality issue what the bible says about it uh, again eugenics and you know the darwinist thought that less desirable traits could be weeded out you know uh, you know sure looking at this multifaceted issue from about every way that you could turn it and um i stumbled upon this uh, site and this organization called Bound for Life. And Bound for Life was a grassroots prayer movement uh, specifically for the ending of abortion. And uh, what they encouraged people to do was to go and to pray outside of abortion facilities. Okay. So after dialoguing with the Lord about it, I felt like what he asked me to do is to go when the abortion facilities were closed and to pray outside of them. And I feel like that was such a divine instruction for him because even now like there was something about yes it was still on the sidewalk but I didn't have to be there when the doors were open right like it wasn't about being in the action per se it was really about the courtroom of heaven and understanding the power of prayer yeah. so every Saturday morning at seven o'clock in the morning 
I would go and I would pray outside of the abortion. Facilities. And were you doing, were you working somewhere else? Uh, or do, I was what were you secretary. Doing? You were secretary. <laughs> no, okay. But you were doing work. this as just yeah. extra curricular. Yeah. The Lord told me to do yep. this. Okay. And at that point, there were four abortion facilities in Toledo. Now okay. there's one. Okay. Um, and I remember one time, and I mean, I just, I feel like, again, that, that, that quick encounter with the Lord just birthed this just very childlike faith. Like when God says, do something, you just do it. Like right. you don't, you don't ask questions. You don't argue. Like you just, you just do it. And so I remember one day God was like, I want you to prayer walk between each abortion facility. So there was one downtown, one on Sylvania Avenue, one on airport highway and one over by, Oh, Jeez, take your Fitbit. You're going to get your steps the, in. Right? Um, <laughs> Theater Creek South, like over by yeah. Glendale area. Yep. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to walk. I'm going to start downtown yeah, and I'm going to walk. So I'm talking to my friend, Samer and uh, Janelle and Samer is like, I mean, there's literally not a chance that you can go walk this by yourself. Like you're in your early twenties. <laughs> like this is going right. to take you. You're, it's going to be a miracle if you get through all this in one day. And yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, the only thing that's going to change is, I mean, if you want to come do it with me. So Samer and I started at the abortion facility downtown, and we walked from uh, downtown Toledo over to Sylvania Avenue, Sylvania Avenue over to Glendale, and then Glendale wow. over to Airport Highway. Wow. And um, I had, when we were at the um, abortion facility that's here in um, – on Sylvania, the one that's still open, I had this really powerful encounter where God gave me a vision of heaven. And it was like a stadium, but it was the biggest stadium I'd ever seen. And to my um, right were all of these people. And all of a sudden at the same time, they all began to like talk. And it was deafening, so much so that talking to Samer afterwards, he was like, I thought that you were going to pass out. Like, I don't know what was happening <laughs> with you. Okay. So I asked God, I'm like, what in the world is this? And he said, this is what I hear every day uh, from the voices of aborted children asking for justice. Oh, wow. And it was such this like marking in my heart of understanding when we talk about, you know, Proverbs that says, you know, six things that the Lord hates, seven that he finds detestable. And the first one is the shedding of innocent blood. You know, sometimes it's hard to understand and comprehend, you know, uh, the justice side of God. But I mean, imagine, we know just in the United States alone, I mean, we're talking about millions yeah. of slaughtered children. Yeah. And he has to hear the reality of those people asking for justice. Yeah. I mean, I know people that work in the court systems now who deal with, you know, a couple thousand caseloads a year and the burden that that carries of like administering sure. justice for those individuals. Like, can you imagine millions upon millions upon millions of people day in and day out, like requesting justice? Well, not only that, but think about how passionate you find like victim rights advocates like yourself or a prosecutor or even sometimes in defense attorneys who say, you know, justice has to be served for the victim. And we're, we're a fallen sinful creature and we have that much passion for injustice. Think how much more a just God has passion for injustice to innocent, the shedding of innocent blood like that. 
I just think of that and I go, it's not even on the same level. If I can find a human down here that had, you know, lifelong passion for, you know, victims' rights and all these things, a holy and righteous God has to have such a passion for that type of injustice. And, you know, for someone like you who works on behalf on, uh, to, to help right that wrong or to bring justice to those who've been, uh, you know, to injustice is, is such a sacred thing. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is sponsored by Greg Moore at Informed Solutions Realty. With over 50,000 residential, commercial, and property valuation transactions completed, Informed Solutions Realty is your premier real estate brokerage in Michigan. Whether you're buying or selling a home or business, Greg Moore at Informed Solutions Realty can help you. And right now, all Dead Men Walking listeners will receive a complimentary property valuation report, which is a $100 value. Visit www.gregmore.realtor or call 734-731-GREG for more information on how much your property is worth and how you can get it sold fast. That's www.gregmore.realtor or call 734-731-GREG. Dead Men Walking is also sponsored by Meriwether Farm. As followers of Christ, we are called to feed the poor, show compassion and mercy, and make disciples of Him. And that's exactly what Meriwether Farm does. Through farm and food ministries, Meriwether Farm is dedicated to serving the underprivileged and those in need in their community, showing the love of Christ and making Christ known. Meriwether Farm is a nonprofit charity that fulfills its kingdom mission by partnering with listeners like you. For more information on how you can get involved or donate, visit www.mwfarmministries.org. That's www.mwfarmministries.org. We are also brought to you by Threads Baby Boutique. Hand-sewn and made right here in the USA, Threads Baby Boutique Etsy shop is a must-visit. With unique clothes and accessories for infants, toddlers, and young children, you're sure to find the perfect ensemble at the Threads Baby Boutique. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Why not bless them with this perfect gift and see what thousands of satisfied customers are talking about? Visit www.etsy.com and search Threads Baby Boutique or connect with them on Facebook at Threads Baby Boutique. And now, back to Dead Men Walking. Yeah. And, and how much more his own creation, too. I mean, there's so many different, you know, yes, he's just, yes, he has these, you know, voices that are crying out for justice but then also they're they're his masterpiece he created them and so sure there was so much and I feel like that was such a marking moment for me where I'm like okay this is really something that I want to give myself to uh Ryan and I get engaged we decide we're gonna go on a mission trip right before our wedding which really is probably the only reason I came back from Africa was because I committed to marrying Ryan because that's what every passionate, you know, young believer is called to do is Africa, right? Like you, right. Just, you get, it's on the checklist. Yeah. Of, yeah. So come back from Africa and we land in Chicago and I have this voicemail from uh, the uh, foundation for life and right to life uh, of Toledo. And they said, Hey, we've heard all these really great things about you. We'd, we'd like to bring you in um, okay. and do an interview with you. So I'm like, I mean, this is really what I'm passionate about. So went in, hired me on the spot. Wow. And um, I really owe so much to the director of Foundation for Life because I don't know that I would have brought me on <laughs> right. at that point. And I, I learned 
so much of just being a student. One of my core values is just to be a lifelong learner. Sure. And I learned so much in that environment. And, you know, from key players and the importance of um, the, the political side of this and the advocacy side of this and learning the way that laws work. And I'm just a bill sitting on Capitol Hill. And right. I feel like in my role now, you see a lot of people who are on the human services side of the abortion issue who have a bad taste in their mouth uh, towards the right to life aspect okay. of it. And sure. then also the right to life, uh, you know, sometimes they'll have a bad taste in their mouth about the human services side. One person isn't doing enough and that person is doing too much and they don't understand. And I feel like that gave me such a great bridge in understanding, you know, we absolutely need to have laws that safeguard sure. innocent life right. um, and equally to have, you know, the, the human services side of that, that those things right. really have to do work, you know, in, and I got lots of really great experiences. I was able to go to um, Columbus and to be, you know, at the Capitol and to kind of be on the uh, forefront of that, um, where I realized that I was probably not cut out for, uh, the political advocacy side of this as I worked through the second Obama uh, election. Okay. And then to work so hard and then lose an election <laughs> was devastating. And I was like, yeah. I am not quite sure that I'm like cut out for this. Like I like to win. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have short memory This was politics. a lot of like, you know, and I mean, the yeah. politics is such a uh, beautiful, messy Sure. It is tough. I mean, it just yeah. is so tough. And I said, you know, I just don't know that in this season that this is. And I think at that point, the only avenue for like moving forward was running for office. Right. And I'm like, I just don't know if I'm cut out for that. Like, I think I have two. Or even at that time in your life. Or, yeah. yeah. And, sure. you know, now I realize like there are so many other things that I could do to help in that arena, especially now with the experience that I have from consulting uh, and lobbying and some of those things. But at that point, it was either like you were going to be president of the United States or you needed to leave. <laughs> right. So how long were you there for? I was at Foundation Funny. for yeah. Life um, for four years. Okay. Three or, three or four years. And then knew that God was uh, giving me the opportunity to look elsewhere. I was actually at a fundraising event for the Pregnancy Center. This was in 2012. And I was approached by the executive director at that time. And she said, hey, we're hiring. Would you ever be interested? And I said, hey, that's really cool. I'm actually, you know, prayerfully yeah. looking at what leaving the foundation would look like. So like, well, let's talk more. Long story short, they had this role that they had been trying to fill. And they had, like, offered the job to people, people had took the job and then like never showed up for work like on their <laughs> first day. Well, I had had this like moment, uh, you know, election in the fall. So that this summer before where I'm like, I just, I feel really uneasy and I feel like I need to start looking and seeing right. if there's maybe something else. And I talked myself out of it. Well, at that time was when they had first opened that position up right so really it felt like god act in my own disobedience sure. it felt like god was like i'm gonna hold this position for you so i came to the pregnancy center formally thank on god staff. god is patient right? he's so patient <laughs> so so patient in um, stupidity sometimes. so patient in 2012 
So I've been with the pregnancy center since 2012. Wow. The longest time I have ever been in one place anywhere, house, yeah. apartment, most of my relationships. <laughs> right. Um, so tell us, wait, tell us, so people listening, what is the pregnancy center? Can you give us a little yeah. overview of what that is? Yep. So, so when you're referencing a, it, they know what we're talking about. Faith-based um, outreach that focuses on, uh, on really eradicating the need for abortion in our community uh, by creating sustainable parenthood. And so we understand yeah. that the lie that we've bought into as a society and here's the reality like we've made it really easy for people to walk into an abortion facility and abortion isn't going to go away until the path into sustainable parent you know parenting is more well-funded more supported wider and well-structured for the demographics that are most at risk for an abortion decision and so you know while to me that the legal Side is really should be taking a sledgehammer to that path into an abortion sure. facility. That's only half the issue though. Yeah. It really is. And then from the pregnancy center side, we have to be building a sustainable path into parenthood for these individuals. You know, when we look even at the church's responsibility in our nation at the beginning, yeah. we were, you know, the, the, the agency that cared Absolutely. for the vulnerable. We were the... Wick, we were the jobs and families. I mean, we were the ecclesia, and it we handed that right as the church over to the government. Yeah, and so I feel like our duty. the pregnancy center really is helping, you know, and with other organizations that are doing this and other justice, you know, ministries is reawakening the church to her identity. And, yeah. you know, it's not throwing government money or laws as an issue. That's gonna that's gonna change the trajectory because we know that you know these agencies are providing good things. I mean, we have women every day who are benefiting <clears throat> benefiting from WIC, from you know jobs and family services and Medicaid, but that's not sustainable. And right. we're seeing you know in 2020 right now the very delicate dance of sure. how sustainable really is this. Right. And I love you know that God said, I didn't just come that you would have life. I came that you, that you would have it in abundance. abundance and so yeah. for us at the pregnancy center, we want sustainability in family and in parenting for both mothers and fathers. So one of the ways we do that is through our limited medical clinic. We see that um, from a lot of different socioeconomic to even culturally. Uh, these are not individuals that uh, have access or there's a perception of not having access um, in healthcare. A lot of these individuals that we serve, their primary care is the emergency room doctor that's on duty. And okay. so again, it's perce- perception, but also reality in, in the demographics that we're serving. Uh, you know, in, in whatever we have to do to walk with this individual so that they understand there actually is a path into parenthood and whether it's them carrying and parenting or making an adoption plan. And we also know that uh, abortion ravages families. And so we know that God is the same God for individuals that are walking into an abortion facility as he is for individuals walking out. Um, And so we have a Bible-based recovery uh, curriculum uh, that we walk post-abortive men and women through. I mean, understanding that 
the way, the doorway into healing is repentance. Um, and at that point that God wants to heal to the uttermost. Mm. One of the unintended consequences of abortion on demand globally is the, uh, we have stripped men and women who lose children in utero, both naturally through miscarriage, but also through abortion, the right to grieve as parents. And to me, that's actually mm. a, a huge injustice that we don't talk about is these are parents that have lost children and anyone that's lost a child understands that is a lifelong process Absolutely. but because we've said that's not human yeah we've if that's not that human life, that's not, not child not and if that's not even. child then you're not mother and you're not father mm. and and so even after we get through you know biblical restoration you know repentance biblical restoration healing and forgiveness then we have someone that finally recognizes that they are mother and i'll tell you what i've never i have never experienced brokenness and travail and weeping like I have uh, sitting with a woman who, you know, understands now what abortion was. And we're not just even talking about, you know, the loss of life, which is a, a lifelong devastating reality. I mean, to me, there's no greater loss than the loss of a child from a parent perspective. Um, but to have that at the result of your own sure. doing, I mean, for anyone that's lost a child and was responsible in some way, I mean, that just takes that devastation to a whole nother level. You know, and I want to be clear for anyone that's listening, you know, God's forgiveness absolutely covers Amen. abortion. I mean, Amen. there Amen. is nothing that he would not do to step in um, and, and to touch that place, you know, in your life. And I don't think we do a really great job you know, in the church or recognizing. You're being kind. I think we do a horrible <laughs> yeah, job. Yeah, terrible, terrible uh, job. I think we have a lot of work to do as a church to to understand. I mean, even the fact of like unplanned pregnancy yeah. and how we deal with that inside our churches with maybe a young daughter or um, a single uh, woman or whatever. And I even say in our churches, there's a double standard on how the man versus the woman is treated, even Absolutely. even if they go to, uh, you know, let's say it's the same church or it's maybe it's in the youth group or something like that. It's totally treated differently. Yeah. And and I get it. You will not find a bigger advocate for the saving of innocent life. But I tell you what, you don't you don't fix that by shame and guilt and condensation right. and shunning and all these things that Christ doesn't do for us. Um, that if we truly believe as a church that that life and that womb was knit together by God and is precious, yeah. then we treat the person carrying it and the person involved in making it with that same dignity and respect. Um, j just because it's it's something that we say is outside of the you know uh, natural order of God's order of sex within the uh, you know uh, within marriage does not mean that we treat them a certain way. And I think we've done a really bad job unfortunately i think it's changing because yeah. of people like you and organizations like you yours and the pregnancy center because what i'm so impressed with at the pregnancy center too is there's this there's this awesome balance of both um kingdom work gospel living godly principles but then like practical things too yeah. like let's teach you uh, you know, how to shop, how to spend money, how to uh, raise a family, how to get housing, how to all these things that I think even, you know, 
public schools and secular uh, institutions kind of ignore. And then on top of that, you put now an, uh, you know, an unplanned pregnancy, throw you out there in the world and go, Oh, deal with it. Let me tell you, I don't, I don't have, and you can speak to this better than I do, but I would imagine that the majority of those women making that choice are doing it under some type of duress. And you are not yourself when you're under a mental or an emotional duress. Yeah. I've made decisions in duress that I look back on and go, what was I thinking? Because you, you can't even imagine it. I'm not going to sit here and speak to it and act like I'm an authority on it. I'm a man. I'll never go through that uh, process. But if the church did a better job at what the pregnancy center is doing to where you're creating an environment and a culture from start to finish where you're applying godly principles and practical worldly application. Uh, I think we would, I think we'd be much better off, you know, like they say from soup to nuts on the whole process, because that's, you know, your, your pro choice people really do have kind of a, I wouldn't say it's a good argument, but they have some validation when they say, Oh, well you care about the unborn, but you don't care about, X, Y, or Z after they're born, however you want to put it. And I would say because of the church over the decades, this isn't something that's just happened last year or, you know, 10 years ago. I'm saying this is a 50 to 70 year over the, over the decades advocating our duty to a secular government instead of us being the church and, and actually walking out Christ's command to love, you know, love others as we would want to be loved. Um, and treat others as we'd want to be treated, I think we'd have a really different paradigm shift, even in secular society, of how we look at abortion and, and taking that life. Yeah. And I think we have an uphill battle as a, as a Western church to make sure that we are actually living out the gospel in that, in that area because it's so easy for us, and, and, I, and I've talked about this before, where we love to hierarchy our sin. Oh, and, absolutely. <laughs> and rationalize it by saying, well, at least I didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I did that for a while coming back to the Lord. Well, at least I'm not doing this anymore. And the Lord was like, yeah. everything you did is sin. It's all sin. <laughs> yeah. And it's in rebellion to me. Yeah. And you better get down on it's, your face and <laughs> repent. You know what I mean? Fair. Like the Pharisee and the tax collector, like yeah. we talked about last time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and in, in, re, in religiosity, we have a, we, we love to hierarchy what sin is what sin. And now I, I would say there's obviously different levels of consequences to sin. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and even the law reflected that in the old Testament, there Absolutely. was a different consequence for something. But, and like you said, I agree, there is no sin too large that God will not forgive, will not uh, absolutely renew and restore. Um, but I think it's a challenge for our churches today to really maybe take that same look that your pregnancy center is taking and saying, approaching this from obviously godly principles and kingdom theology, but also with real world application, not just, Hey, don't do this because God says not to, I I hate that argument or, or it's, it's, uh, it's in the, you know, however, look at, I got people coming to me that go, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. So what, who cares? Guess what? Then I'm to show you Christ's love unrelentlessly, uh, without, with abandonment to my person, you know, my personal needs. And I'll tell you what, they don't have to believe the words on the page, but they're going to believe your actions. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the scriptures that has served me well through the years is, you know, Paul's writing of, you know, I, I am the chief of sinners. <laughs> yeah. Like I am the president right. of right. the sinners club. And yeah. the moment that I start to not see myself 
as that is where I can fall into saying, well, I'm I'm not as bad as (laughs) this guy over here. Why's it got to be me? She's pointing to Jason. For the record, she's pointing to Jason. Dang it. Total total deprivation. (laughs) We can talk about that. (laughs) And yeah, and so I just, again, I think that's why it's so important that we stay close to our own salvation. Yeah. It's because it's so easy to get to that point. And I think what happened inside of the church is we... Uh, we've actually combined two issues and called it sin. So we know that obviously a child comes from sure. sex. Procreation, yeah. how it works. And so what we've looked at, because the majority of these situations are happening outside of God's blessing of marriage, mm. is yes, that is sin. However, if we believe that life in the womb was put there by the author of life, yep. then for us to ever categorize that as sin is such it's an atrocious. abomination it's atrocious. before the Lord. But what we're doing is we're actually combining because yep. it's an, we, be, we believe more in the act of procreation than we do of the giver of life. Mm. Because we can see the reality of like A plus B equals sure. C. Mm. So guy and girl get together, there's yep. a baby. equals sin yeah and the reality is is that we're not confronting the actual sin issue we're we're confronting the the fruit of that and calling it sin yeah and and that's not it's not the case and it's not helpful it's not the case it's 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 misplaced unfortunately but i i would say you know i don't want to sit here and just you know uh knock on you know uh, you know uh the church is a general thing. I think we're getting better though. Absolutely. I think the- even from like, even from like the eighties and nineties and the early two thousands where I grew up, I feel like there's an, there's an awakening of understanding uh, in the church that, Oh, we have to do more. You know, the moral, remember like the moral majority and the whole right with like Falwell in the eighties and nineties, you touched on it a little yeah. bit where you're like, Oh, I'm Midwestern and I'm patriotic. I should be a Christian. That's what yeah. that came from out of the eighties yeah. and nineties. He had a whole movement where he went, Oh, we can politicize our Christianity right. and get things done in the Senate and the house and get yeah. the president to sign and get our politicians in there. And it was a horrible failure. Now, I'm a Christian. I'm involved in politics. You're involved in politics. I'm not saying don't be involved in politics, but I'm saying when you make the priority to to use the government to advance the, God's kingdom, that's backwards. The kingdom yeah. advances God's kingdom. We change the culture from the the secular culture from the gospel culture, and it, it was a really it was a really big f- failure in some aspects because. For one, we kind of got a whole generation, you know, we're kind of all elder millennials or millennials right in there. We got a whole generation of like no foundation, really. Like our youth groups were ran on, well, at least they're not out drinking and yeah, drugging. So yeah. let's just have them hang out here in the sanctuary and, right. we'll, pl- we were. and we'll play games. <laughs> yeah. And then we got one over on them. We're like, guess what we're doing after youth group? <laughs> yeah. So you have a whole generation that didn't grow up with, you know, any real foundational understanding of, of who God was. And then instead of doing what the pregnancy center is doing now. We had a whole movement of, well, let's just try to write laws and create things that, you know, restrict this act. When and really f- on both sides. I yeah. mean, you see that both in, you know, the millennial Christians, but you also see that in, you know, the postmodern Christian. I mean, that was really birthed out of this same, these same kids that were growing up that weren't drinking Mountain Dew on Wednesday nights in youth group. 
were those kids exist somewhere yeah. else <laughs> and and they have actually what you have is a generation that has looked to the government to mm. be the solution to all of these issues and so i don't yeah. even think it's really just a conservative you know thing that we've seen on the conservative aisle i mean i think we've seen that and sure. i really believe the explosion of a lot of what's happening right now is is the fallout and even the the uh jadedness inside of our generation of this isn't working and so to your point i think because there are so many people who are jaded on both sides i mean even people that i want to vomit every time i read their twitter (laughs) is i see the same level of jadedness sure coming from them and understanding this isn't working anymore and i think the beautiful thing is that we're seeing people actually understand that it's really in in the neighborhood in the community where real change happens and you know i have to brag on our community here that what we've just talked about is not happening you know right is not even close to the majority in toledo we have a fantastic that's why i didn't want to generalize i keep saying the western christian but there's plenty of churches out there that are and i would say the majority of churches in our area have responded so beautifully um, to to this reality. I mean, right now, you know, we were in this dilemma of our pregnancy and parenting classes were, I mean, we were having like three to 400 people sign up wow. for these a semester and our building doesn't hold that. And yeah. so looking at how do we serve these people and I've had a burden since I came to the pregnancy center of you know, our job is not discipleship at the pregnancy center. We don't walk long-term with people. We're not designed by nature to do that. Mm. Um, and I, I read in my Bible. You do that, have partnerships though with people who do yeah, that. Right? And, okay. and well, and, and so what I, what I, it, what was burning in the back of me is when I read my Bible, that's really what the church, the church's main responsibility is discipleship. Disciple, and yeah. so, you know, I've been wrestling, you know, from 2012 to 2019, what does it look like for us to create a bridge between the pregnancy center and the church so that true discipleship happens? So right. we get into this uh, you know, dilemma where we don't have enough room. We reach out to a church that's just like four blocks down the road uh, that's doing incredible work. I mean, they have a barber like oh. in their church on Wednesdays, you know, that does free haircuts they teach karate to kids from the neighborhood on like tuesday afternoons they do food pantries twice a week like their church is open every single day Mm. and probably like the most minimal thing that they're doing is a sunday morning service and so when we looked at what we were doing we were like we want to we want to connect people to a body not an empty building except for one day a week Like we really want these people because the Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. And so we wanted to find a church that actually looked like family. So we actually ran into these pastors at the prayer breakfast last year. And I was like, hey, I've been trying to get a hold of you. And this the pastor's wife stands up and she has tears in her eyes. And she said, I have been thinking about you for the last like two weeks. I wanted to reach out and to see if you guys would host parenting classes in our building and i'm like (laughs) no way because that's actually what i was gonna ask you right so we started doing this and i was actually there um i was there last night but then also two weeks ago on tuesday and i ran into i come into the building because we're 
they're doing a food pantry and we're giving out diapers, wipes, and formula. If people are listening to this podcast, you know, five years from now, we're in the middle of a global pandemic called COVID-19. You're probably laughing about Maybe it it's then. it's COVID-19 outside. <laughs> we're not ready to laugh about it yet, especially no, in the state did. of Michigan. <laughs> yeah, not in Michigan, no. Ohio. Um, so Kids are sane down there at least. Yeah, yeah we're um, exactly. partnering, you know, with this organization and I, I go in two weeks ago and I actually run into one of the dads that uh, we had referred over there for uh, parenting classes. So they came to the pregnancy center for pregnancy classes and then we do all of our uh, parenting classes out of the local church. So they're with us through their pregnancy and then we say, look, your next step is same instructor, but it's actually going to be over at this building instead. And then what we ask the church to do is just to send people to start building relationships with them. And then right. we go out with the tide and hopefully they're connected and plugged in and can continue relationship with them. Awesome. So I'm like, Hey man, how's it going? Like super excited to see you here. Well, the cool thing about this kid is his dad is an elder at this church and has been praying for his kids to get back into the church for years. Wow. And out of all of the churches that this young kid could have walked into to do parenting classes, he wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't, he was just trying to learn how to be a good dad. Right. And out of all of the, I mean, there are thousands of churches in you know our city. And out of all of the churches that this kid walks into to start parenting classes, it's the church where his dad has been at the altar praying for his kids for years. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. Yeah. So he like super excited. He's like, oh my gosh, like Miss Diana, so excited to see you. Um, he had been there since eight o'clock in the morning. He comes every uh, Tuesday to their food outreach, packs all of the boxes, has been, he and his um, girlfriend have been in church since they stopped doing parenting classes. They're there every Sunday, super involved. He's like, Miss Savannah, we just signed our first lease for an apartment. Like they're thriving yeah. right now. And the reality is, is that the pregnancy center could only take them so, so far. far. Yeah. And what we saw was this beautiful exchange into a church that again wasn't just this thing on Sunday morning, which like I love Sunday morning church. Like it it's such a staple to me, you know, in my walk. Yeah. But here it was the importance of growing this couple spiritually, but also walking with them practically which yeah. is really discipleship and so we have seen the churches in our community show up in such a beautiful way and you know the pregnancy center could truly not see the transformation in the lives of the people that we're serving without the church and so yeah. I mean and it's beautiful to see those two things work in tandem because I think it would be really weird for churches to start doing pregnancy tests and ultrasounds, you know, from the classrooms <laughs> right. on yeah. Wednesday afternoons. And so I think, you know, marrying those two things together in a very kingdom minded way, we, we're seeing success. We're seeing abortion facilities close. And the cool thing is you mentioned, you know, pro-choice people having valid points. I mean, the reality is, is they have very valid points. And what we're seeing at the pregnancy center is an extreme respect from the pro-choice community here in our community because we're actually doing what right. they're asking the pro-life community to do. You know, when they're on social media, like shredding, you know, right. other pregnancy centers or other pro-life organizations, you know, they leave us out of it, you know, and these yeah. are people that I have personal relationships with. The reality is I've learned this um, 
is that at the end of the day, most people here locally that I've met that are either uh, you know abortion advocates or are working at the abortion industry actually want the same thing that I want. When we're yeah. having conversations, they actually want the same thing that I want. We want women to be able to take care of themselves and their families. We just have completely different sure. you know, belief systems and uh, ideas on how, how we actually that, get yeah. there. Um, and, and I've just found that I actually can accomplish way more uh, work in the community. If I'm not asking them to meet me 100% where I'm at, like, I'll just say, look, okay, great. So, you know, you are really passionate about doing this because you see that women can't um, be in the workforce sure, um, without access to abortion. And so I'm going to meet you there. And I'm going to say, what we're going to do is let's work really hard with Jobs Ohio to make sure that women absolutely have access, that if they do want to work, you know, after having children, that they have every avenue to be able to do that, right. you know, through the means that we, we can create. And so it's wild to see that when we, when we don't expect people, like you said, these are not people that believe the same things that we do. You know, I have a right. mentor that said, don't expect the world <laughs> to act like the church. <laughs> right. And so I just don't have yeah. an expectation that these people hold the same belief system. Yeah. But, but I do have an expectation of myself that I am the only gospel that even abortion right. advocates. And, you know, I've, I found a lot too, when I talk to people on the other side of this issue, they're, they're really they're really advocating for a lot of other things that doesn't necessarily have to end in taking a life. A hundred, I would uh, say the majority ma of The majority, it. well, like you said, not access to work, can't afford, uh, doesn't have housing, doesn't, you know, doesn't have the other person in the picture. It's like, well, all of these things can, we can work through these issues without a life needing to be taken. Absolutely. And, and sometimes that, that step seems to be, I don't, you know, it's a shortcut. It's, 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 I don't want to say easy. I'm, when I say easy, I mean it's the fast. Maybe that's a better oh, word. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the it's the instant. Is... And I don't, I don't know. I think your approach can work so much better because like you said, and anyone listening, I'm not going uh, you know, soft on uh, pro-choice. I'm saying you're making a point in saying we we have, we, we want women to be, you know, to be, to be taken care of and, and we have that in common. So like the way to get there is different, but like you're saying is you're going that extra mile, like the gospel pretty much preaches and teaches to meet that person at that place and then say, how can we work together to accomplish the goal of making sure, you know, this life is saved? Yeah. And I mean, the reality is, is that there, there is truth in that statement. I mean, an abortion can cost anywhere from $500 to a couple thousand mm. having a child is a very expensive endeavor. Sure. Right? Absolutely. And it's, it's you know, they're going to be with you through the next, you know, 18 plus years. I mean, they don't magically go away at 18. I That's proved true. that to my parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still, yeah. you know, and so, and, and not to make light, obviously, like, you know, I think sometimes when people hear you know, people talking about abortion when that's not a part of your everyday life, you know, it can right. feel, you know, that the reality is, is that I've had to learn how to be able to have this conversation right. in a not emotional way. I mean, obviously abortion is 
I've given my life to the understanding that this is something that right. grieves the heart of God. And I think for me, I'm, I'm so tunnel visioned in the reality of I absolutely believe that I can demolish abortion in my community in my lifetime. Mm. And I'm not in this for a career. Like the sooner that I can get to this, the better. <laughs> right. Like I got beaches in Hawaii calling my name or, you know, the state, you know, I, I have right. so much, like I, I'm not here to like, cozy up and you know make right. money for myself like I have dreams and things that I want to see done um and I remember sitting across from uh, someone in our community that is an abortion rights advocate and I asked them this question we were at lunch and I said do you believe in a world where abortion doesn't have to exist and mm. they looked me in the eye and they said no absolutely not I believe that abortion will always have to exist and I realized that's where the the fault line of belief is is yeah, that I absolutely actual worldview believe yeah. I I am so hopeful and so tunnel visioned that we are the the closest that we have ever been to the reality that this is actually something that our generation will wake up and realize is right. not a necessity yeah. and for me to get sidetracked into any sort of you know boxing match with right. someone that believes different like and and I'm also not because of my conviction that people matter so much to God I also don't mow people over and so I'm just going to link arms with that person and go well come on like we're just going to I'm going to I'm going to show you <laughs> through right. you know my life that this is something that I absolutely believe with every I believe that there is a way out for every woman and really that's the heartbeat of the pregnancy center is that anyone who walks into an abortion facility that has walked the doors of the pregnancy center first will not walk into an abortion facility um right. <clears throat> not understanding that they had other choices because okay. you said it earlier women uh, there was a survey done in 2015. It was either 2015 or 2016 through the Lifeway Research Institute. And what they said is um, that 49% uh, of women who make an abortion decision did so because they did not believe they had another, another choice, choice yeah. which is maddening to me because in the name of choice, half yeah. of the individuals that are walking into an abortion facility are doing so because they actually did not have a another option or another choice and so we have this like massive global screaming conversation about choice and the reality is is that the people who are most affected by abortion every single day don't, don't have, have choices a, don't have a choice they yeah. don't have choices do uh do abortion clinics actually say something about a pregnancy center like whenever someone walks in is that some is that an option that they give to the person so they just I would, to my knowledge and and what you won't ever hear me do and I think this is something that the pro-life community needs to stop doing is if we don't know what's happening inside of an abortion facility we need to stop writing a monster under the bed narratives so we right. see so many articles and so many things on social media that these are you know monsters under the bed and they're doing this or they don't do that and so what you will never hear me say is if I don't have firsthand knowledge or legal documents that something is or isn't happening inside of an abortion like we have enough problems to be making right. problems up yeah. so um the interesting thing about the dynamic of our abortion facility here and our pregnancy center is that we have 
I mean, we're right next door to them. And so we've built a relationship. Our pregnancy center is not our after abortion program is we share a driveway with them. And we challenged ourselves to go over and be the best neighbors that we possibly could understanding that again, we're not going to we're not going to sacrifice human beings on the altar of reaching other human beings. And abortion right. facility workers are just in need of, you know, the hope of the gospel as unborn babies are in need of saving and sure. moms and dads are in need of that, you know, same hope. And so they at our abortion facility actually do. That's cool. They If they have right. someone who is like, I, I actually don't want to, I don't want to do this. I... You know, we're not hearing that women that come to us. We see a lot of women who come to us um, either because they change their mind or they feel like they need to hit the brakes. And sometimes we're like, why are you here? And it's literally just God yeah. brought them through the door. We yeah. have no idea why they would have come to us. It, You know, we're not hearing like they're you know, twisting my arm or putting a gun to my head. And I think that again, we like to, we like to assign enemy status to, you know, abortion clinics. And so, um, but to our knowledge, no. And the other really crazy thing is that we do have a Planned Parenthood here. They're a non-abortion performing Planned Parenthood and we get referrals from them all the time. Yeah. That's awesome. And I don't think, uh, you know, especially in a state like Ohio, where I think that's optional because there's only a few states that mandate certain things have to be given to the patient before so a procedure, Texas correct? Texas is, to my knowledge, you'll have to fact check me on this, Texas is the only state that has a mandated, there's this like magazine or pamphlet right, that um, at any OB office, any abortion facility, and it walks through um, the development, like fetal development, um, what the risks and complications of an abortion procedure could potentially be. We do that for any other surgery. We should absolutely do that. Um, and then also the, it has a list of pregnancy resource centers and adoption agencies. And so I think, again, to my knowledge, that yeah. um, Texas is the only state that has done that. Um, in Ohio, um, we have a really uh, pro-life governor, um, we've been a really pro-life state for a long time, and there's been some incredible work um, that's been done. And there are some great measures in place that do pump the brakes. You talked about it earlier. You know, when we're in trauma, our brain doesn't function um, the way that it functions outside of trauma. I mean, that's why you have all this study about Absolutely. trauma-informed care. So when you have this traumatic situation, you know, your decision-making uh, part of your brain isn't operating at the capacity, um, you know. And I'm I am not saying that women who make abortion decisions don't understand what they're doing. You know, this is actually something that is proven science. No, absolutely across, across the, board. the board. I think we all have had times where, like, we look back on a decision that we made yeah. in haste or in crisis and go, "That is not the decision that I would have made." And so, yeah. when people look at some of these pumping brake laws or, uh, you know, the pro-choice community calls them trap laws. The reality is, is that they're not to take people's rights away. It's scientifically proven that if we give people space and time outside of trauma to be able to make an informed decision, I mean, if it's really about the name of choice, then, I mean, I think that's something that everybody should be able to to get behind. And again, it, you know, abortion right now is legal. And as much as I want that to change, 
it that's the reality of our current landscape and so after 72 hours if she is still confident that that's the best decision but goodness sakes let's give her right. the ability to slow down I mean, it's a life-altering decision yeah, right. that's going to be with them forever. No, I, I had that conversation about two or three months ago with a with a pro-choice um, in person. It wasn't a Facebook conversation. I'm getting away from that in my elder years. It's oh. not fruitful. <laughs> and they were talking about that. Well, no, it's your choice. They should be able to do it right then. I said, sweet, so you don't you don't agree with the three-day waiting period for me to go buy a gun, right? Oh. And they went, what? I said, I got to wait three days to buy a gun. I should be able to walk in, get a handgun, Right that moment yeah. in the in the heat of my duress or if I'm stable minded shouldn't matter. My choice comes first. Yeah. And they went, well, no, I don't agree with this. Well, why not? What's the difference? And they didn't really have a good answer for me. But so it's kind of a double standard when I when I was, you know, and mine is just a gun. Now, that's a, maybe potentially you could be doing something horrible with a gun. But your your, your example, there's a life that hangs in the balance yeah. Two lives. I would yeah. say possibly two lives okay uh for for death but i'm saying also there's a there's a the mental stability of you know because we have all kinds of uh documentation from psychologists and doctors and things that there 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 takes a toll with that uh, on the woman that's carrying the child too which we don't really talk about a whole lot and i feel like women really get gypped in that area because they're sold a bill of goods of it's a procedure it's quick it has to be done like you said in duress you don't really have a choice and then you can deal with so many issues afterwards not even to mention we didn't even get into this but even the man oh, there's issues with that too right. with where do the rights come in and the say in it and even you know a man can deal with with issues after the loss of a child as well too yeah. and i would say in the realm of the father you know, that's such a complicated, mm. you know, and it's a complicated issue because we're speaking out of both sides of the mouth um, as a society. Yeah. So if the woman chooses to carry and parent, then we demand that he be involved, sure. um, you know, financially. At least financially, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that is the law. Uh, and even in an adoption, you know, there are, you know, there's the fatherhood registry. And so we give him, you know, rights in that regard. So, you know, women have three options when they have a pregnancy. Uh, they can have an abortion, they can carry and parent, and they can make an adoption plan. So with an adoption plan, we have the fatherhood registry where they, you know, even if she doesn't want to place with him, if he's on the fatherhood registry, he has just as many rights as she does in that situation. Um, you know, in an, uh, carrying and, and parenting, and par- you know, yeah, he, those- he ha- is financially bound to care for that child. Um, but then in an abortion decision, we say that the man has no right okay. into yeah, that that's, conversation. That's, that's crazy. And, you know, the reality is, is that um, we see the complexities because we do uh, have abortion recovery for men. Um, and we see that the grief in that um is is really this it's not any more or any less it's just compounded because for many of these men um they were either the you know i drove her and i essentially you know quote unquote put a gun to her head right gave her an ultimatum or we see i was completely boxed out of this and had no voice and no and men and both are devastating created to be the protector and the provider and the way that we frame this conversation is actually an all-out 
assault on how men are and how fathers are created. And so, right. yeah, it, it's been a really tough road wow. to navigate. All right. So give me just a little bit then. Uh, we got off on a little bit of a tangent there, but it's all good stuff. So you were at the Pregnancy Center and then you've been there since 2012 12. and now executive director for... Since 2016. Since 2016. And just knocking it out of the ballpark. I'm going to um, brag on you. I know you don't like me to, uh, to brag about you, but I'm going to, to everyone listening. And it's so crazy how many different aspects that you cover too, because it's from like fundraising to like real world things, uh, you know, like leasing building. I mean, you like politics you're in. So it's like, you say pregnancy center, people go, oh, you probably just, you know, you, know, you deal with, I you know, knit blankets. you knit blankets. Yeah. Oh, you hand out pampers, do yeah. you? And it's like, uh, <laughs> right. yeah, one of 10,000 things that I have to be involved in. So it's kind of just to kind of give a, you know, overview to people listening. I mean, it's an all encompassing kind of deal, the, the pregnancy yeah. center, like I said, from, from legislation right down to, yeah. um, you know, prenatal care and, and yep. things like that. And so then, really the two kind of like heartbeats that drive everything we do is first, you know, uh, providing support to individuals to understand that this is not, not only does this not have to be your choice, it's just not necessary. I mean, we just want to eradicate abortion from our community as an, a necessary thing. We do that through raising college women up um, through their value, worth, and identity on college campuses because also there was this moment in our ministry where we realized, yes, college women not having abortions is a massive win, yeah. but walking into an abortion or into the pregnancy center isn't a win either. And so we were like, oh, mm. we're saving all these college women. And the reality is, is that like, that's not the best either. Yeah. Um, and so Sole Purpose, which is our national um, campus organization, we work with pregnancy centers that are in half a mile, ra- uh, half an hour radius of a college or a community college. Um, and understanding that that is the most vulnerable age demographic in making an abortion decisions. Um, and really, if we can raise her up in knowing who she is in God. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we do that in a couple different states. Our goal is to have 25 chapters in the next five years, taking off. God's doing incredible, incredible work through that. Um, our, you know, limited medical clinic here, where we're walking with those individuals, making sure that post-abortive individuals are getting healed. Uh, we know that women who have abortions are uh, three times as likely to walk back through an abortion facility. And so even the work that we're doing through our after-abortion care is directly saving unborn children's lives because we've done it for 21 years and 0% of those women have ever walked back into an abortion facility. And then the other kind of uh, stream of this is holding our community accountable for where we have said, well, we don't want to have abortion or we don't really care about abortion or in understanding that there are other things that we need to do as a community. Our healthcare has to be able to, you know, serve these women in excellence. We have to have, you know, uh, hospitals that will serve people. We've seen, you know, disparities in how different demographics, you know, people in poverty are served differently than people who aren't in poverty. People are in systems are served, you know, and so, you know, not only are we walking with people, we're also holding, you know, people accountable, you know, and part of what I do from a legislative perspective is the higher that you get in politics, the um, more room that gets in between you and the people uh, that are impacted by the decisions that you're making. And so lots of, you know, communication. I've sent 
you know, lots of communication to our governor and, hey, these are things that um, you're doing that are really helpful and these are things that you're doing that aren't very helpful. And so right. helping connect, because um, they also, the majority of our legislators uh, don't live in the neighborhoods of the girls that are walking into you know, an abortion facility. Right. And I'm going to say this and it's going to sound a little, you know, harsh, but the reality is, is that we have a bunch of white men. Um, and I have a lot of white men in my life that I love yeah. that are making a uh, you know, decisions about a, a bunch of Latino and African-American women. Right. <laughs> so the reality is, is that that's not, a, that's not, a, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. The reality is, is there just has to be understanding right. of each other in that process. And so I feel like yeah. the pregnancy center can kind of stand in that gap and help you know, these incredible, you know, white guys that I believe the majority of them are really passionate about what they're doing and really yeah. do care for life and want to see this thing change, but also just don't have the time to drive around, you know, yeah. the inner city of Toledo and have an in-depth understanding. Um, no, absolutely. And I think we would make the distinction there and tell me if I'm understanding this correctly. It's not the fact that, oh, there's certain demographics that have to be in an elected position, but in fact, the reason why we have a republic that's representative is because we want those people and those experiences, walks of life, to be in an elected position to then be able to bring something, recognition to an issue. Because yeah. um, that's really the way I look at it is when you have too many of one thing, you know, at one time in our Michigan legislature, it was like, I don't know, it was like 40% realtors. And it's like, yeah, we were getting a lot of good real estate laws passed for us realtors, but there wasn't there wasn't that diversity of experience. Like I want the housewife. I want the yeah. veteran. I want the businessman. I want the realtor. I want the lawyer. I want right. everyone, you know, yeah. when you're talking uh, elected officials too. And I, I like the fact that you said uh, the pregnancy center can kind of stand in the gap for the legislature to kind of educate, you know, they're not, they're not bad people. I mean, no. that's the unfortunate reality of, you know, the, you know, we hate, you know, right. white guys, you know, <laughs> right. I, you know, for me, again, I'm so tunnel vision and I know a lot of really great white guys. I mean, you guys right. happen to be two of them. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, is... Tread lightly. I can't expect for them to have that understanding. I right. mean, that's not their job. That's my job. And yeah. so what I can do is, you know, come alongside of, you know, some of those individuals to just help them understand. I mean, at the end of the day you know, where people live, like we just have to stop holding those things against people yeah. and just go, how can we actually bring more people to the table so that more people understand? And it goes both yeah. ways. I mean, I think there's also a lot of, you know, um, you know, bridge building that the pregnancy center can do in the demographics of people that walk through the doors that we're serving to help them understand, you know, this isn't, you know, the big bad wolf trying to blow your house down. Like right. these are really complicated and complex you know, issues. And, you know, I think anytime we can just get people at the table together to start to see the humanity, that's just a really huge win. Wow. That's awesome. Well, you want to know what, I think we're going to shift gears here a little bit. Um, I wanted to play a game with you guys just yes. to lighten it up. We're going to go from go. a really important, really heavy issue to, to would you rather to, <laughs> <laughs> no, to uh, to pick a hand. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was that Vegas vacation where he goes yeah, off yeah, yeah. Vegas? I don't know. If what you number know. am I thinking? What of? number am I thinking of? <laughs> uh, no, I wanted to play. Now, you guys, because you guys both kind of grew up uh, in church. Yeah. I'm doing air quotes, but mm -hmm. you were kind of around the Christian culture a I little bit. There. I wanted to know if you guys wanted to play 
name that tune, but it's going to be with contemporary Christian music from the 90s. So every every What's one that? of these songs... No, uh, <laughs> I'm going to destroy you. Did we play there? This we might have played there. This, this we is, played Agape and... This is, this yeah, is what I want to do. We played all over. Yeah, I know. This is what I want to do. We are... I'm going to give you guys... I wish I had a buzzer. Uh, I didn't have a buzzer, so we're going to have to kind of uh, make do here. What I'm going to do I don't is think Jason knows how competitive I am. Play all <laughs> DC Talk songs and I'll be good. <laughs> right. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a clip. It's maybe 10 or 15 seconds. What I want is the name of the song, okay? Okay. And now, and just say if you got it, say got it. Okay. And the first one to say got it, I'm gonna I'm gonna Great. throw it over to you. I want the name I'm of the not song. Competitive that's, at all, so you'll you're fine. That's worth one, <laughs> that's worth one point. If you can then also tell me the artist, you'll get an additional point. I'm the okay? kind of competitive that when I go to baby showers. <laughs> oh, you want, you want the prize? Mm-hmm. Are you are you the one that wants to catch the bouquet, even though you're married? No. You're like, <laughs> Push, I still want the bouquet. Shoulder rolling yeah. other women out of the way. <laughs> okay, we ready? I have yeah. I have yeah, six yeah, of yeah. them here, seven of them if we need a tiebreaker. Let's do okay. this. Who knows? We might even do uh, the tiebreaker, too, just okay. for fun. Okay, so if you got it, just say, got it. And then uh, I need the name of the song. And then for an extra bonus point, the artist. Okay? Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Got it. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm just joking. I don't got it. You don't. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, you get, you get the rest of the clip. I know it. I remember that. Yeah. I know this. Oh, it's audio. I got it. Okay, oh. what is it? I need the name of the song, though. Dang it. First. This isn't Big Big House, is it? It is Big Big oh. House. Nice job. All right. Woo. I knew the guitar part, though. And, it's and, by I, Audio Adrenaline. By Audio yeah, Adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah, we yeah. have two points for Savannah. All right. And you cannot falsely say you got it <laughs> and then just bail. All right. I know. This one, I think, is a little bit harder. So uh, I don't know. If you're having trouble with that one, you might have trouble with this one. <laughs> okay. Ready? Yeah. Oh, I got it. I don't know who it is, though. You got you to give me the name of the song. Is this Stephen Curtis Chapman? Oh, it's not at all. Oh, I'm giving you more than 15 seconds. Come on. Nothing? Uh, yeah. Is it? Can I just? So I don't think. No one has it? it. Is that? Is it Amy Grant? Oh. <laughs> you get the buzzer on that one. Anyone? Anyone? No. Oh, wow. You guys, that was point of grace. Oh. Keep the candle burning. I, every, yeah, I was not a point of grace. I haven't heard, yeah. (laughs) All right, still two to zero. Ready? Now, this one I think you guys are going to get. Ready? Here we go. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Oh, okay. I need the name of the song first for a point. I know who the artist is. You literally just said it. <laughs> What's the name of the song? I know what it is. Shine. It is. And who is the artist? Collective Soul. No, I'm just. <laughs> um, uh, oh no! It's Can those one guys with Tate as the lead singer now, right? Come What's on. their name? Come Newsboys. On. Newsboys. Yay. There we go. Yes. <laughs> All right. So it's I'm two. a Christian. <laughs> it's two to two. Round three. Right. Ready? Here we go. Say got it when you have the name of the song. Is this the Friends theme song? 
silence. This is a stumper. Wait. wait. I'll give you 20 seconds of it. Oh, I cut it off right before you start. You got to hear the lyric. It is a he. <laughs> it is a he. Do five more seconds. No, I don't have five more seconds. That's all you get. Was it, um, I have no idea. It, it couldn't have been Stephen Curtis Chapman, was it? Was it Stephen Curtis Chapman? Hey! Oh, you want to what? You didn't give me the name of the song. It was um, it was uh, the change by Stephen Curtis uh, Chapman. Okay. That was one of his first big singles yeah. in the but early nineties. I said Stephen Curtis. That my mom listened to. I <laughs> well, listened. it was in his nineties. Like our moms were in our late thirties, yeah. and they were listening to sweet music in the nineties. Yeah, I listened to like Pod. Okay, and yeah, Barlow Girls. Well, you are a little younger than me, so you were probably late nineties to mid two thousands. Was I your kind of high school in two thousand and three? Yeah. Mm. See, I'm ninety nine, so you're just yep. on that. Right. The next time you guys come on, we'll do early two thousands. But we still have a couple more rounds. It's still two to. Wait, did I give you a point for that yeah, or no? I got a point for that. I'll give you a point for it, then find three to two. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> okay, we ready? Now you guys better know this one. Ready? Say got it when you got the name of the song. Got it. Jars of Clay, um, uh, Flood. Oh, he got it. Wow. Uh-oh. Wow. Five to two. I wore that CD out. Did you wear that CD and, out? And, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, ready? This is where you come back, uh, Savannah. Are we ready? Name of the song first. Oh, I got it. Oh, she, oh, like Jesus she was freak. literally sh- it shaking. Was Jesus freak. Well, don't she might get it wrong. Jesus freak by DC Talk. Oh, we've yeah. got a. I think we got a tie game. Is that five to five? No, she. She's, she's got got four. four man. Five to four. Okay, I'm like I'm, like, I'm not competitive all right. at all. <laughs> wow. All right, last one right here. Ready? Now this, I think this one might, might be hard for you guys. This is the uh, last round possible. Two points up for grab. If you get two points, you win. If you get one point, you tie. If not, Jay's going to take it. Here we go. Oh, I got it. It's Five Iron Frenzy. No, it's the Supertones. Oh. I know. No, you need to give me the name of the Hold name on. of the song first, though. That's going to be the hard part. I don't. Was that Supertones Strike Back by the Supertones, or was it? Oh, I'm so about the devil. So close, but I have to give you the buzzer. <laughs> Do you want to take a guess at it? I'll play the rest of it since uh, That's she interrupted. Not fair. Well, you interrupted. <laughs> I'm so angry. It is, it is the super tones. I'll give you that. I don't know the name of it's it. It's not Supertone Strike Back. <sighs> that was the name of the, the album that it was on, and they did have one called Strike Back. That was called Unite okay. by the Supertones. At first, I was like, is that war? <laughs> war. Mm. What I is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Not. <laughs> well, you want to what? We're going to have to give that one to Jason. You won by a point. Did we tie? You won by a point. It was five to four for the whole game. I thought you were giving him the super time. Nope, five to four the whole game. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not competitive at all. Yeah. There you go, man. I tell you what, uh, I can hardly wait to put up this video clip of you two, you two guys like freaking out. (laughs) 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 I haven't heard those songs in a while, man. That's great. Yeah, I figured uh, why not have a little fun after we just had this great discussion. Every yeah. word to super tone strike back. <laughs> I'm going to tell you when you said Five Iron Frenzy, I didn't think anyone would really know that. Yeah. I got way into super tones and Five Iron Frenzy back That's in the awesome. day. Me too. And the fact that you guessed, <laughs> I was like, there. 
Everyone will know the super tones, but no one will know Five Iron Frenzy, so yeah. I'm not going to do that. And then you guessed it. <laughs> I'll take it a level deeper. Did you ever get into Insiders with a Z? Yes, absolutely. Do you remember I them? I saw Insiders. Oh, stop. I never saw them. But I don't know. Jay's just looking at us like we're crazy. He's yeah. like, I'm sorry, guys. I was in Japan touring no, 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 no. when we you were, were listening no. to your ska in the, music, in the Christian 90s, ska music. In the, in the 80s, we listened to country gospel. Country oh. gospel music. The the Cooks, the McCamies, you know. like. Okay. And then, I, and then actually, this is funny. Um, my mom would not let me buy a DC Talks record because it had graffiti on it. And we were at the Christian bookstore. And wow. She said, no, 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 Jason, this, this, no, you can't get this. And I thought I grew you up know? in a legalistic church. <laughs> oh, dude, I man. Graffiti was sin, yeah, yeah. huh? Oh, was, Insiders oh, yeah. open up for Marvel Girls. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen the Insiders. They were, they were pretty good. There, pretty there was rad. a crazy moment in contemporary Christian music in the late 90s where like, or even mid to late, where it's like all ska. It was just, Scott was it for like it a year and a half, two years. Two yeah. years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll go back and just listen to those old artists and go, what, whatever happened to those guys, <laughs> you know? Oh. But And then we went through the swing music thing for a little bit too in the 90s. Yeah. You guys remember that when like swing was in for like a yeah. year? Yeah, I was learning how to swing dance in uh, <laughs> the first semester of college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, there was this girl. You know, there was a girl that I. There's always. That's you know. why he learned. I'm married now, dance. though. That's and why we he swing, dance. swing dance. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. Real swing. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're married, though, so it's. Yeah. Okay. Do you really do swing dance? I mean, it's not like I wouldn't call what. Uh, uh, like no. in your room? Don't you have no like a one month see old? Me. See me swing dance. I mean, I'm, <laughs> no, she's eleven weeks. Eleven, 11 weeks. weeks. Congratulations. Yeah, crazy. Oh, it's already uh, been 11 weeks? Dude, it's wild. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. It's amazing. And swing dancing every morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. In I your boxers. With no, the front no. window. Nope. Just the robe. <laughs> Just. <laughs> this right. is one a different direction. Yeah, this totally. <laughs> I shouldn't have never done this whole music thing. I We were so serious and professional for the first hour and a half. <laughs> then you put on a little ska music. All downhill from there. <laughs> Oh, but guys, uh, did you guys have anything else to add before we wrap it up? I want to thank both of you for being here. I think it was very informative. Savannah, anytime you want to come back and hang out, uh, you're more than welcome to hang out. I, I love talking to you. Uh, it was, it was like I said, informative, intelligent. I think it needs to be said, needs to be heard. And if anyone is listening and might need to reach out to the Pregnancy Center, can you just throw out maybe the way to either contact you or the center or where you guys are at on social media? Yeah, so, I mean, if people are looking for services, if they just, uh, our web uh, page is pregnancycenter.org. Okay. Super easy. Very um, easy. If people are interested in learning more about what we're doing, uh, friends of pregnancycenter.org. So both okay. super simple. And Very both easy. Social, yeah, social media handles for each of All the same. Two. Yep. Very cool. Well, Savannah, thank you for being here. Josh. Josh. Oh my Jeez. gosh. I looked right at him and called him Josh. Jason. Actually, my, my name was supposed to be Josh. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. My mom was between Josh and Jason. My cousin's name was yeah, Josh. She so should have named it Josh. Jason. Much better name. No, it's not. <laughs> I think you look like I'm Jason. an axe, bro. My name's an axe. <laughs> You're, so. Oh, is that what it means? No, no, it's in axe. It's in axe. I thought you said it's in axe. My name is. Oh, no, no. That would be cool, too. Yeah. If it yeah. meant like axe. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the a, axe. Like, yeah, like it yeah, sounds strong. The axe take, is it to the, the... take it to the bottom of the tree, That's you true. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah Gre- I don't think Greg's in the Bible. If it was, he was like Jesus' accountant maybe or something. <laughs> yeah. What does Greg. that mean, though? I, uh, watchful one, guardian of theology. Did you just make that up? No, it literally oh. means that one. 
Wow. I'm Guardian healer. of Theology and Watchful One. You could mm. not be weird, huh? I th- that's a whole nother uh, episode. We'll talk yeah. about how like how important name changing and naming was in the Bible. So crazy. But either way, we're wrapping up. We've uh, almost hit two hours. It's been a great episode. Yeah. Jason, Savannah, Thank thanks you. for coming by, and we'll see you guys soon. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.